Good morning. You know, I don't know about you, but if I had a theme song, it would be the line in that song. It says, all my life you have been faithful. When I wasn't faithful, couldn't spell faithful, didn't ever think about being faithful, you were faithful to bring me to where you brought me. He is good. I want to I want to read the quote again that I read last week because it's kind of been the catalyst uh, to set us on the journey of where we're going now. And uh, it's from Jim Elliott. Uh, he and five other missionaries were killed about 60 years ago in Ecuador, uh, bringing the gospel to the natives. And here's what he said. We are so utterly ordinary, so commonplace, while we profess to know a power the 20th century does not know how to reckon with. But we are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, non-militants, conscientious objectors in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. The world cannot hate us because we are too much like the world. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Uh, Someone asked me this week why I was so emotional when I read that last week. And uh, I'm not sure, except as I look back on there, the first time I read that, I thought to myself, Father, if I'm like that, I don't want to be like that. And if I'm not like that, I don't want to become that. It just struck a chord in my heart. So today, I don't know if any of this is for you, but I know it's for me. And... um, It's relevant to what God's doing in me. So just receive it if it's relevant to you. In John chapter 17, beginning in verse 13. Now, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We call that the Lord's Prayer. That's really not the Lord's Prayer. Lord's teaching that to the disciples. If there was a Lord's Prayer, John 17 would be the Lord's Prayer because he's praying to the Father. And all of these things in chapter 17 are things that he has verbalized to the Father concerning himself and concerning his disciples. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be picky, but this just to me seems more like the Lord's Prayer, the heart of 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 the Son, the heart of Jesus calling out to the Father. And uh, so in John 17, verse 13, he says to the Father, but now I come to you, 
And these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. He's saying the fullness of joy that I have had in going through all that I've been through, I now want the world, including the disciples, to have that same fullness of joy. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. And the disciples are going, bummer. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. With the same commission that you sent me, I now send them. I'm passing it on. The same thing that you commissioned me to do, I am now commissioning them to do. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth or in his word. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. Okay? That's us. The same commission you've given to me, I'm giving to these who are hearing me, and not only to these who are hearing me, but to these who will hear through the words of these that are hearing me. Does that make any sense? It's an extended declaration. It's an extended commission even to us. I do not ask on behalf of these alone for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Though that the world may believe that you sent me. You commissioned me, I'm commissioning them with the same commission that you commissioned me, and that is that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which I have given, excuse me, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. The weight, the significance that I have to you because you gave me this glory. You gave me this weight. You gave me this significance. I am now imparting to them and they are as significant and valuable and worthy to you as I am. Because they bear my glory, the glory that you gave me. The glory which you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me. There it is again. 
and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Now, I think in order to see the full relevance to what he's telling his disciples, I think it's important to remember what comes before this, okay? It's always context. It's always what is the context in which he's saying this? What's the context in which he's praying this? And they are listening to him pray it. And in order to get that, it's important to understood what took place before it. In John chapter 14, he kind of throws them a curve and says to them, I'm leaving, you're staying. I'm going away, you can't go. But I won't leave you without comfort. I'll send you the comforter who will be in you. He will teach you all things and remind you of all the things I have said. I'm leaving my peace with you. Not peace like the world offers. John 14. John 15, he says, I'm telling you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Why was he reminding them that I want this joy in you and it's going to have to come from me? I think he was indicating you're not going to get it anywhere else and you're going to need it for what you're going through. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and ordained you that you should bear and appointed you or ordained you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and your fruit should remain. John 16. It will be better for you when I go away than it is while I'm here. I mean, it just gets more intense. Each one of these chapters just builds to say, now he says, not only am I going away, it's going to be better for you when I'm gone than it was and has been while I'm here with you. I'm telling you these things. You will grieve over me leaving, but you will see me again. And your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. That's cool. Only we can forfeit our joy. You stole my joy. No, you didn't. You gave it up. No one can take our joy away. Not because it doesn't come from any other source except from his joy being imparted to us. So 14, 15, 16, now 17 And to summarize it, he says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Count on it. But take courage. I have overcome the world. I'm leaving. The comforter's coming to live in you. You're here to bear fruit. I'm giving you joy, I'm giving you peace, and it's a peace that I have won. And I'm imparting it to you. 
because I have come to the world. Sounds like in these verses and chapters, he's preparing them for something. It's going somewhere. And I think it consummated in John 17. He's saying that all these things that I have revealed to you and all these things that I have done in you is in order that you might influence the world I am leaving you in. That's why I'm not taking you. Why don't, why don't when we just get saved, God just rip us out? He says, I am leaving. I have done all these things in you. I've revealed all these things to you. I've worked all this work in you in order to leave you. And in leaving you, you would be an influence in the world that I'm leaving you in. My purpose in leaving you here and preparing you to be here is so that the world which currently doesn't believe will come to believe. They don't believe now. But through you, the influence that you bear, the world may come to believe that God has sent me. Everything Jesus imparted to them up to this point was to equip them to remain as an influence in the world. Not to create a subculture within the world to hide away from the world for fear that we might be tainted by the world. That wasn't his purpose. His purpose not, was also not to assimilate into the world's mindset those things that the world teaches, but to affect the world they had been left in by being an expression to the world of all he had revealed to them. Thus the phrase, be in the world but not of the world. How many of you thought that was a Bible verse? Well, it's not, but the principle is found here in John 17. He says to them, I'm leaving you in the world, but not of the world. Now, we tend to emphasize that second part. Don't be of the world. Don't, you don't, don't be of the world. You, you, not, you be out there and you touch the world to get you. I mean, the world will mess you up. And we forget the first part that says, be in the world. Be in the world. Affecting the world. Now, the world includes all our human-oriented activities. Think about that just for a second. The world includes all of our human-oriented, the things that we do, what is this, horizontally? Vertical, horizontally? Okay, this way. Politics. Economics, entertainment, fashion, art, customs, traditions, the accepted behavior in this particular age, and it will change from age to age. Things that were not acceptable in this culture today were acceptable in our culture, and vice versa. The age changes. The culture changes. Society. 
relationships, neighbors, family, co-workers, strangers. Everything that we are as humans and engage in, apart from God, is part of the world. Now here's where I believe it begins to get relevant. He says to the disciples, I've done all this to equip you. I've done all this to prepare you. Not to hide out, not to withdraw, not to take the world's ideas and assimilate it into your world, but I put you there that you might influence the world, that you might change the world. And this is where I believe it's relevant. I can look back and I can look around and I can see many wonderful things that the Father has revealed to us and in us in so many faces here this morning. Virtually all of us have been untouched, partly just because you hung, okay? I mean, you stayed. And God began to work in your heart and deal in your heart. And here we find the answer to the question, for what purpose have you done those things? Why'd you do these things, God? I was satisfied. I was content. I was doing okay. Yeah, I had my ups and downs, my depression, my anxiety, my frustration, my guilt, my shame, my condemnation. My, my, I had all those things. It was just part of life, and you came and just got in the middle of it. Why did you do those things? For what purpose have you done these things? Well, he didn't do these things in order for us to be comfortable in the rest of the time that we have on earth. So we can hide from the world in isolation in fear of being tainted. He didn't do it to make us comfortable. He didn't do these things for us to assimilate the world's mindset about God and about life into our existence. He didn't do it so we would incorporate these things into Christianity in order to make ourselves and our message more acceptable. Compromise. He didn't put us here to compromise what he had done in our heart or what he had done in our life. I believe he has done these things in us for the very same reason he worked in the disciples. To be an influence of the kingdom of God to the world and in order for those who presently don't believe that God sent Jesus to now come to believe that God sent Jesus. I believe he's done these things in us in order to make a difference in the world. Now, we must be convinced that we have something to bring. We must be convinced that we have something to bring to a broken culture because what God has and is doing in us. If we don't believe that, we will be indifferent to the world. And trust me, 
you cannot be indifferent to the world. If you are indifferent to the world, the world will conform you into its image and make you just like the world. We have a bigger part in advancing the kingdom of God than simply repeating, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have a huge part in seeing the execution of that kingdom being done in all of these arenas that we've named. And in every sub-arena that he's placed us as individuals. No individual will touch all of them, but we can touch the ones that he's placed us in the middle of. He's done what he has done to equip us to influence the world rather than be influenced by it. He has shown us, for instance, that we are completely accepted by the Father without conditions, without stipulations. Why? So that we will not be shaken when the world doesn't accept us. But there has to be some engagement there. There has to be some exposure to the world for the world to even say, no, I don't accept you. As long as we hide out, the world could care less. But he has shown us we are completely accepted by the Father in order that when the world doesn't accept us, okay, we're not shaken. We, he's revealed who we are in Christ, our identity, so that we don't need worldly success to define who we are. I don't have to be successful in the eyes of the world to know how valuable I am. I don't have to be a winner because I am accepted by the Father. We've been shown we don't have to draw our identity, our value, our security, or approval from others, but from the Father. He gives it to us. We've been embraced in all his love. So we can still function with confidence in a world that doesn't offer love or security. And we find out where we're really at when we get out there in the world and they don't approve us. They don't love us. They don't like us. Usually not because of the gospel, but because of something else. And we, it just kills us. It just hurts my feelings. I was triggered. I need a safe space. It's not there. We've received love. Not just so we feel good about ourselves. That's good. That's good that you feel better about yourself. But that's not the reason he loves us. He loves us in order that we might then give love to the unlovables, 
to those who don't have the capacity to love us. And we still love them. And we still engage with them. We've been accepted by the Father that we might demonstrate acceptance and not judgment. Boy, the church has missed this one. See, we've we've gone to one or two extremes with these things. Either we judge everything and everybody for everything, or we accept everybody and receive everybody as they are. I want you to get this. Jesus accepted everybody where they are in order to make them what he was, not to leave them in their sin. Influence, change. We've been accepted, that we can demonstrate acceptance. We found our worth in the Father, that we might impart value to others who are still seeking value from the world and fling a dead cat in any direction and you'll find somebody in that condition. Looking to be loved, looking to be accepted, looking to be approved, disappointed daily. I read a deal article this week, it was talking about our culture. And they said, the assessment of our culture, especially the young people in our culture, their assessment of the world is this, I am sand. I am nothing. Stimulate me. Let me feel something, even if it's pain. Cut me. Hurt me. Whatever. To at least make me feel like I'm alive. The absence of love, the absence of acceptance. He says, I'm putting you right in the middle of it, that you might impart to them what you receive from me because they are literally dying for it. Listen, if our security, our acceptance, our approval, and love is only realized when we confine ourselves to our little realm, then we're not finding it in Christ, but in creating a controlled, comfortable area, arena of life. If the only time I'm confident in my love and the only time I'm confident in my acceptance and the only time I'm confident in my approval is whenever I'm in my little group and we kind of do each other. But if you take me out of that and put me in the unknown or put me in the uncomfortable, oh, I'm, I'm shaken. What does that tell us? It tells us our confidence, our assurance, and our worth is only found in this little small group And not found in Christ because when it's found in Christ, the location is irrelevant. I can walk into uncomfortable situations that before would be uncomfortable with confidence and assurance that I'm here to express the kingdom of God. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to like me. Doesn't mean I'm abrasive. Doesn't mean I'm mean. It means I love and I'm approving and I'm accepting. But it means I don't have to get it from you from the world. But in order for that to happen, the world must be engaged in. There must be an engagement in our part in the world. I want you to listen to me very carefully. It is time we stopped focusing 
so much. It's time we stop focusing so much on what does or doesn't happen on Sunday. And be more concerned about what is or is not happening through our life during the week. Now, I'm not talking about starting some organized ministry or joining some organized ministry to participate in. People in Acts, go through Acts, see if you can find a ministry that got started. They didn't start ministries. What they did is they lived their life daily under the authority of the kingdom of God and influenced the world around them. These that have turned the world upside down have come here. Well, they're part of the upside down world ministry. And I've been reading a little bit about how Paul went to Rome, and the last several chapters of Acts are very, very interesting. And they kept referring to this group Paul's in. They're part of the way, a sect of Judaism. Had to have some ministry to put them in, some whole pigeonhole to peg them in. And Paul was having none of it. They didn't start ministries. They just lived their lives under the authority of Christ. Every aspect of life that influenced the world. One of the most phenomenal experiences the disciples experienced was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. You remember? Three or four of them were up there. and I think Elijah showed up. Somebody else did. And Jesus was glorified, and they turned to one another, this is awesome. Let's build three tents here and stay. Jesus said, nope. Why? Keep reading. There was a family at the foot of that mountain that had a boy that was a demoniac that needed deliverance. They had to leave that euphoria and go back to the world. What did they do? They brought what they had into that environment and changed it. <clears throat> Most of this that I'm sharing with you, we've all heard a lot of it in the context of evangelism. And we've been manipulated and coerced into believing that there's a certain thing we have to do in order to influence the world that always consummates in getting somebody to say a prayer. The Spirit of God said, one sows and another reaps. One sows and another reaps. Maybe you're not a reaper. 
but you can be a sower. You can sow in order that someone else will reap what you have sown in this person's life. How do we do this? Well, I'm just going to give you some real practical things real quick. John 4, 35, and I'm just going to quote it for you. You know it. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for the fields are ripe unto harvest. Here's the first thing I want to encourage you to do. Lift up your eyes and look around. Okay? When you're out in the world, look around. Now me, I, this, that's why I say this is so relevant to me. I get tunnel vision. I'm on a mission. I don't care if it's go to Walmart. Well, not Walmart. If it's Home Depot, Walmart is conquer and destroy. But, you know, I got a mission. And I get tunnel vision. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. I, where's these screws at? I got to find this. And, I gotta, and then I'm out of there. And the Lord said to me, lift up your eyes and look around. Look around. Observe the people around you in need. Observe the people around you in need. And they are there. They are there. Observe the people around you that are hurting. Observe the people around you that are angry. Observe the people around you that are depressed and frustrated. Look and ask the Father, how do I impart life to this person? Maybe a word of encouragement. I, the Lord put it on my heart a few months ago. My doctor is retired now, but the Lord really put him on my heart. He said, next time you're in there, I want you to pray for him. And I said, okay, because he's all business. First time I ever met him was about 1992, and I walked into his office. Walked into the, I was sitting in the examination room, and he walks in, and he picks up my chart, and he looks at it, and he says, what the hell's wrong with you? I thought, I'm going to like this guy. But the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. So we're sitting there, we're talking, and he's done his deal. And I said, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Do you mind if I do that? He said, no, that'd be fine. So I prayed for him. And the thing that stuck out is that the Lord would give him wisdom that he wouldn't make a wrong examination. Wouldn't see a wrong diagnosis or prognosis. I got through, and he looked at me, and he said, you nail me. He said, that is my biggest fear, that I'm going to diagnose somebody wrong or that I'm going to read it wrong. I didn't get him to pray a sinner's prayer, but I imparted life to him to build on God bringing him to that place in his life. Observe the needs of people around you. Ask the Father, how do I impart life? Be prepared and anticipate engaging people with genuine interest. Be determined, deliberation. Be determined to engage people that you normally wouldn't engage. I was getting gas the other day in Waxahachie, and uh, I left all my homeless packets uh, with somebody else, so I didn't have that. So the guy was sitting on the curb there. He'd been asking for money. And so I just went over and sat down, got talking to him. 
and uh, found out he'd been in the Navy in the military and was living at a little hotel right now. And uh, the Lord just said, give him $20. And I tried to, I did give him the money, but that wasn't the point. But I tried to encourage him, let him know the Father sees you where you are. Just impart life. Be prepared and anticipate engaging people with genuine interest. How many people overlooked that guy that day? How many people walk right by him, never said a word to him, never affirmed him? Be prepared when you go out. And this is one of the things the Lord's done with me. I'm leaving. When I leave the house now, I'm like this. I'm looking. Who do I engage? It may not be much. Who can I talk to? Who can I affirm? Who can I give value to? Be open to people outside your own subculture. Let's say that again. Okay. Be open to people outside your own subculture. That means your own little world. We've all got our little worlds. We've all got them. And we're real comfortable there because we've kicked out all the people that don't make us comfortable. We don't accept people that don't make us comfortable. We don't befriend people that don't make us comfortable because we've worked hard to get this little nucleus right here. And I'm comfortable in there. Don't violate it. You know, look to reach out for people that don't look like you, that don't smell like you, that don't have the same values of you. You might even look for somebody that's got Democrat on their bumper sticker. Look beyond your own little world. Now, I'm going to give you, and I've given you this before, and I hope this encourages you a little bit. Accept the reality that everyone, every human on the earth is insecure. You're not the only one. And people may act like they have it together. They may look confident. But see, that's kind of like me. You know, they used to say whenever you, whenever you stand up and you speak in a group and you're intimidated, just picture everybody in their underwear. That scares me to death. But I do understand that everybody I encounter is insecure. They've either dealt with it correctly or they're still struggling with it. And the way to deal with it correctly is to draw your security from the Father. And if they haven't done that, they're still struggling with insecurity. Ah, we got something in common. We're all insecure. But outside of me, and this is what's interesting, if you go back and look at Ecclesiastes, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I mean, he just, you talk about depressing, everything sucks, everything's terrible, everything's And he said, now, people have looked for liquor, learning, luxury, lust, and laughter to find fulfillment. And at the end, he said, there is nothing to bring fulfillment under the sun. He's right. But beyond the sun, there is a father who loves us. That's where we find our security. And people will typically look for their security in one of those things. Just know everybody's insecure like you are. But the Lord has given us something 
that will impart life and encouragement, maybe just for a moment, to people that we encounter. If we look up, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and see the people around you that have needs, that God has placed you in their world to show them that the Father has sent his Son to love on them and accept them and heal their broken soul. That's where I'm at. So, Father, thank you for not leaving me like I was. Thank you for the burden that even comes with it. Thank you for the exposure of my soul. Now I agree with everything you've said about me. And I ask you to work in me that reality that there is something in me that can make a difference in the world and advance your kingdom. Thank you for doing that. Keep doing it. Even if I'm uncomfortable in doing it, keep doing it. That you might be an expression of yourself through me. In Jesus' name. Any questions? Any comments? Randy, would you take this back to Elisa? Um, I don't know if anyone else can relate, but um, my knee-jerk reaction when hearing a message like that is to be overwhelmed by, you know, okay, well, there's all these issues that I need to fix before I can go out into the world. (laughs) And so, you know, in the past I would have been sitting here like, well, I need to deal with this, and then I need to deal with that, and Lord, we need to work on this. And But the Lord has been showing me how much pride is in that. You know, there, that's me just looking at myself and what can I do to, to make things better and then, and then I can be good enough to go into the world. And that's good. So I don't know. If anyone else is feeling overwhelmed, um, the Lord is just showing me to, to just be loved, to just submit right. to what he wants to do in me and just allow his grace to, to cover me. That's good. That's very good, Elisa. See, if we just look at what we've got, we'll all be disappointed. But if we look at what he's done in us, what he's accomplished in us, and what he's in the process of accomplishing. Elise, I'm glad you shared that. It's, it's interesting because uh, when, we, when we go into the world and we engage people with genuine interest, it's very, it, it just points to how important it is that we have God's perspective in that moment. Every word that we say and every action that we portray is an extension of him because you did, what you didn't share and, and what the scripture does not say is engage with genuine interest that looks like them and sounds like them. And it is important to distinguish that we still have, we are still the banner carriers of the kingdom. So when we engage the world with genuine interest, we, we are still 
we still have something to impart that separates us from them. And I know that in the past, it has been very easy for me to just fall in and act like the world for the Mm -hmm. acceptance. Right. And that's not kingdom business. We've all been there. That's right. That's not kingdom business. That's right. That's good. Elisa, the first thing I thought of when you said that was we are in the world. It's not a sin. It, it, it is a sending out, but we're in the world regardless. Our influence is what we get to control. Our influence is what we get to choose. But we are in the world, period. How are you affecting it is the question. Yeah. Getting out's not an option. Till he comes. Anyone else? Chuck? Yeah, at least I'm glad you said that. Because that reminds me of a lot of things. But most of all, it reminds, reminds me when we talk about it in church giving a testimony, we only testify of those things that we know God has delivered us from. And sometimes they may need to hear something like that, the loss. That way we can identify with them, and they can identify with us. Mm-hmm. They won't think we're so holier than thou that they know that we've gone through the struggles that they've gone through. And yes, we have something to share. We have something to give. We have the overcoming Christ that lives within us. And we can tell them that. We can remind them that, as you said, God loves you. And how does you know God loves you? Because he sent me here to tell you. See, I believe God's heart is that our heart become the same as his heart in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that we give, that our love would be like his love as we receive it. Jeremy? At least I'm right with you. <laughs> I promise. Um, this doesn't often happen, but I read something this morning, and I didn't understand it, and I felt like the Lord just said, just wait. <laughs> you, I think, Micah, you mentioned how that happening recently. I just felt like it was going to fall into place later. And listen to this. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 3, 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. That's good. I, I do need to remember that other people are insecure. Yeah. I have a harder time accepting that I'm insecure. <laughs> I, I do, honestly, honestly. Um, but, but the reminder that, that that is all that I have, that I do have, I am absolutely nothing, have nothing except from God and with God, I am absolutely sufficient to bring that ministry of reconciliation to others, to bring that same life that he has given me. And that can be... You know, that's, that's the place of confidence that I can come at it with because I have nothing else. That's good. Now, what I'd like for you to do, and we'll, I'll go ahead and bring it over here, Laurel or Mike. What I'd like for you to do this week, those things that I gave you at the end, at least look over those and say, okay, Lord, how can I apply those this week? How can I incorporate those into my life? And come back next week and share with us the result of that, what God did as you engage the world. Michael? Uh, Just an encouragement for you. It's kind of funny because some of us guys were talking about this before the meeting started, but 
there's way too many pulpits where the message is um, the world is evil and they're going to get theirs. And you'll see that they're going to get theirs. And you're on the right side of things and they're on the wrong side of things. And so it's just, it's really, it's beautiful to hear um, this encouragement to us to go out there and look around and see the need and not think of these people are going to get theirs, Mm -hmm. but rather what can we do? How can we cooperate with God so they don't get what's coming to them? I mean, you know, the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, he killed six people, wounded another six or seven. He's a serial killer, very notorious, truly evil, into the occult. But back in 1987, he met the Lord. And his testimony is really, really beautiful. And I truly believe that any of those people he killed, if they're in heaven, they're going to be really, really happy to see him when he gets there. And that really needs to be our attitude. So thank you. That's good. That's good. I've shared a few times in home group. Um, I would love for the people I work with to come to know the Lord. It just would be rich and fun, and I'd have someone to talk to, and they would come to know the Lord. But when I pray for my coworkers, oh, my gosh, that next couple of weeks is a beating. It's just so hard, and it's a beating. So makes you not want to pray. It wears you out and makes you want to rest. And, but as I'm kind of hearing, well, here's the Lord saying, the Holy Spirit that I experience in the quiet place is the same Holy Spirit that's working when I'm in the beating or when the storms are raging. He, he's, he's in both places. So I'm learning to just kind of um, grasp him during the storms mm-hmm. because in the end it's really cool to have people around you that love the lord mm-hmm. and they have the benefit of the loving the lord mm-hmm. I, I, that's first but it's just a beating sometimes yeah, it is and that's why it's in- <laughs> um, i know you're going to end um mike i was thinking how much you hate walmart paul hates going to walmart so i know some of you are like hate there and I think it is the funniest thing for me personally um, because I am aware, not always, but I'm really aware of people for the most part. And those, Walmart is one of the places where the Lord constantly gives me. And I love, Paul said, some plant, some water, mm-hmm. and some, is it so reap? Some, so, some reap. Some reap. And so there's been so many opportunities for me I haven't seen any reaping. I remember sharing with you about praying over this woman, and she said yes, and then she got sicker, and she remembered me. You're the one who prayed over me. Yeah. But anyway, just that, yeah, just that opportunity. Um, see someone at CVS, Walgreens, and I saw her once before. Some woman. I saw her just down there once before, and I just walked by her, and I wanted to give her something, and I didn't. And an opportunity came again like two weeks later. And I said something to her, and, and she said, yeah, I'm the one who was talking to you. And I said, I know about getting a place. Did you find a place? Did you know, engage her in a conversation. So um, I just want to encourage you. Walmart got some folk there. 
<laughs> and I love, I think it was um, Brandon said sometimes about the thing that is them. Sometimes it's just a word to say, hey, you are doing such a super job. Thank you for what you do. I love telling those workers who are stocking stuff when everybody is taking stuff off the shelf. Thank you for being here today and stocking these shelves. So sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it is giving money. Sometimes it's, you know, I've seen some tattoos on people that I really liked, and I was like, wow, that's a beautiful tattoo. Why did you get that? In a store. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'd like to be able to share the gospel, but I haven't done that yet. Yeah. So. And sometimes it's about putting yourself in a situation where you know you're going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, I had an opportunity to do something, and I could either have done it by myself, which would have been so much easier than opening it up to the body and saying, why don't you, whoever wants to, come and help me do this? Mm -hmm. Because if I do that, I'm going to be putting myself into contact with personalities that I am not comfortable with, I can't control that situation, um, social anxiety, and uh, sometimes the Lord wants us to push through that and challenge ourselves to involve other people. Otherwise, it's withdrawing from the world. Mm-hmm. And um, good. That's, I think that's what I probably would struggle with in all of this. It's, it's easier and safer and more comfortable for me to go in that kitchen and make dinner for a hundred people mm-hmm. than it is to involve people and say, come help me do Be this. Vulnerable. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I had an interesting experience last night. Uh, I didn't, well, whenever I think in terms of homosexuality, there is something in me that, you know, I reject that, you know, but I hope I can explain this. Uh, I was at uh, this experience in North Park last night called Dreamscape. It is an experience. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, Im- you are immersed in the experience yourself. So you have to dress up with the things on your hands and put the thing on your head with the mask. And then you've got things on your feet. And then you've got a backpack on. And, uh, you know, and you choose an avatar. So there are others with you. So when you look at the others, you see their avatar. You don't see them. And so... Uh, there was this young lady, and it was very obvious to me that she was a lesbian. And uh, the thing that, uh, you know, I struck up a conversation, you know, uh, where are you from, you know? And she says, well, I just moved here from New York, me and my girlfriend, you know? And so uh, just what was amazing to me is the work that the Lord has done in me in dealing with that. And that there was no sense of rejection of her. 
you know, it was just totally comfortable in in uh, letting her know that I accept her and for me to know that I accept her mm-hmm. and, and to experience that feeling of a total acceptance. And it had nothing to do with her being uh, her behavior. Mm-hmm. It had to do with her being a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm... You know, as a result, of course, being on a walker, because this was one where you have to stand and move about, she was the one that was just pushing me around in the, on the walker and opening doors and moving things for me, you know. And, and when I look back, I say, she sensed that acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, of her. Absolutely. And uh, it was just amazing for me to be free of that eh, on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. That's good. You don't even know it's not there. Yeah, Sandra? Have you read yet from Acts 17? Read who? Have you read this morning when you're speaking? Did you read yet from Acts 17? No, not today. Okay. Starting in actually in verse 24 of Acts chapter 17. God that made the world and all things therein. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed something, as he gives to all life and breath and all things. And he is made of one blood, all nations of men, all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we we live, sorry, for in him we live and move and have our being. From before the foundation of the earth, you were prepared for your environment, and your environment has been prepared for you. And you need to know that when you go out somewhere, your environment has been prepared for you. And that doesn't mean they're going to hug you and love you and do good things for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that means that whatever their reaction is, it's under the authority of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You are exactly where you need to be. Learn to listen to him. Learn to change routes suddenly. Learn to move with flexibility and know that you're environment has been prepared for you and you are prepared for your environment so go with the boldness of the lord that's right let me add to that just a little bit too i said about everybody being insecure there's something else you can know god is working in that person's heart he's preparing their heart he may not they may not show it they may not recognize it they might not acknowledge it but somewhere god has been preparing their heart for this encounter to impart life to them. All right, it's good. Look forward to see what you hear next week.